Welcome back to another episode of Unlocking Business Potential, your business advisory podcast. By Bedio Tanaki. I'm Kelsey, and joined with me and the wife is my marvellous host, Melissa. Hello. And we've got a really special guest on our episode today. So, from Craig's Investment Partners, we have financial advisor, Shelley Valier. Hello. Hi, how are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Very good indeed. Thank you for having me. Really excited today to discuss some some more stuff about KiwiSaver. So a lot of people throughout New Zealand will have a pretty decent idea of what KiwiSaver is, but you're here to give us just a bit more information so that we can help out these small business owners that are listening to this podcast. Sure can, that'd be a pleasure. As a financial advisor, I'm obliged to let you know that any information that I give you today is general information and is not financial advice. The information doesn't consider personal financial situations or objectives or goals or risk tolerances that might apply. So it's really important that um, we understand investments involve risks and are not guaranteed and KiwiSaver is an investment scheme. So before making an investment decisions, we we do recommend that you seek advice and and contact a specialist, contact an expert. Um, I can give you our website www.craigsip.com and we have a KiwiSaver scheme which is issued and managed by Craig's Investment Partners and the KiwiSaver product disclosure statement is available on our website. Let's dive into some of the basics of KiwiSaver first Shelley. So can you start off by letting us know who the default KiwiSaver providers are? Yeah, I sure can. There there are six default providers and they are uh, part of a community of about 30 providers in total. So the default providers are government appointed providers. And what that means is that when a member is enrolled, but the member doesn't choose the provider, the member is automatically enrolled in a default fund. So the default funds are through the default providers and the default funds are mostly conservative funds offered by those providers. Perfect. So then if we're thinking about those default funds, so we're looking at conservative there, if we're kind of thinking from a KBSA perspective, what really is a good return? Well, a good return is going to be driven by the underlying framework of the investments. And and largely, there's about five different options that most KiwiSaver providers offer. So it ranges from conservative right through to high growth. And in between, you have, you know, loosely called moderate, balanced and growth. So between the spectrum of conservative and high growth, you can expect a range of returns. Um, I think the thing that um, most people need to understand about KiwiSaver and probably do understand is that it's not entirely risk-free. The money is not guaranteed by the government, but it is a very well-regulated environment. The KiwiSaver framework is is audited by the FMA, the Financial Markets Authority. So the returns that are going to come about really just comes down to the choice that the KiwiSaver member makes about which type of investment they want to 
um, use for their KiwiSaver journey. Um, the variability of capital is, is a real definitive um, issue in this regard. So KiwiSaver um, member accounts do not go into negative, but KiwiSaver balances can certainly go up and down. And depending on the member's um, personal situation, you know, things like their investment horizon, how long they've got to retirement, what type of retirement they want to have, how much capital they want to have in the KiwiSaver framework, um, whether or not they're a first home buyer, um, all those things are going to really drive a lot of decisions around which ones of those five sort of broad investment options are suitable and therefore what sort of returns might, might be possible. So would you kind of expect someone that's expecting to get their money out semi soon, so someone close to retirement or someone that's close to buying that first home would be more on that conservative balance kind of end, whereas someone with more time up their hands has the option to choose from any of those five options? Yeah, it, investment horizon, Kelsey, Kelsey, is really important because the, the 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 real secret to investing is not timing the market, it's how long you're prepared to stay in the investment. So if you're looking for a reward from your investments within the short term, you know, if it's in the next 12 or 18 months or two years, then you have to be really mindful that markets can move your capital values a lot in that short time frame. So depending on what your goal is will depend on whether you want to be more conservative or whether you can perhaps go up the spectrum a little bit more and aim for a bit higher returns and higher growth. Yeah that sounds really good and it just gives you the ability to assess your risk appetite as well. There's quite a lot of people who are very risk adverse and others that are willing to risk it all essentially. Yeah, I mean, KiwiSaver started in 2007, and so a lot of people are now quite familiar with the KiwiSaver framework, and there is just over $86 billion invested for KiwiSaver members, so it's becoming quite a significant part of our of our industry, of our, of our capital market and savings schemes. Um, the good news about KiwiSaver is that there, there are quite a few sort of financial incentives for, for people to use it. Um, clearly one of the main ones is the government contribution. If you um, as a KiwiSaver member put in at least $1,042 of your own money each year, the government will contribute $521. Now that's generally a 50% guaranteed return and, and that 50% guaranteed return cannot be replicated anywhere else. Definitely. And for most people who are on salary and wages, they'd be finding that they are getting to that $1,040 through their wage contributions anyway. So it, it is a nice um, incentive. It's a nice return, as you say, that you can't see anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And and there are a number of other um, incentives as well as disadvantages. So I think it's really important, Melissa, to be quite balanced about what, what KiwiSaver is for and, and, and how it works. So um, the employees' choices around, you know, whether they take the 3% minimum contribution or whether they amp it up to 4, 6, 8 or 10% of their gross wages is a really personal decision. Um, everyone that has to 
um, everyone that's involved in KiwiSaver, um, at least to start with, is a minimum of 3%. Um, and then after um, a while, you can take a contributions holiday or a savings suspension, depending on, you know, the term you prefer. Um, and that's something that can be coordinated with your employer. I've had, I've personally actually had some employees who have come to me and said, look, I've just bought my first house. I've just used up all the money. I really just need to invest my money in some physical assets at this stage. So they have gone with that savings suspension or contributions holiday with the intention of after the 12 months going back into paying at least a minimum 3%. Yeah, and that's really important because it gives people the choice to determine what's suitable for themselves depending on their age and stage of life. And taking a, a holiday or a saving suspension is, is is it doesn't mean that your KiwiSaver account disappears. It means that it remains, but it's effectively dormant for that period. And with KiwiSaver, you do also have the option of um putting in additional contributions as well. So you can still contribute if you find yourself with a little bit of extra cash and think that your KiwiSaver is a good place to put it, can't you? Yeah, the voluntary contributions um, are, are available to every KiwiSaver member and, and some employers will facilitate that quite happily for their employees. They don't have to, but if they want to, they can. But every member has the right um, to go to their KiwiSaver provider and say, look, um, I would like to top up my contributions, do my extras voluntarily. So it's just another form of savings. Um, I think the thing is that it's it does come with some some frameworks and restrictions. You know, KiwiSaver is there to to provide a, a retirement scheme or a first home buyer's scheme. Um, sometimes under financial hardship, um, KiwiSaver can be released, but honestly, that's not very an easy. It's not a very easy thing to do. Um, so it really comes down to the employees um, being quite willing to research and talk to um, people that they can get quality information from and make sure that that they've got the employer um, aligned to their wishes and, and they understand the risks and benefits that come along. I do know from personal experiences, people that I've spoken to when they've gone on things like maternity leave, they've, they've chosen to do the voluntary contribution so that then they can continue keeping up the monthly repayments so that they are actually eligible for the first time withdrawal and different things like that as well. That's right. So um, those little tips and tricks are, are something that um, will come down to um, not only the employer's um, framework, but more the employee's circumstances and objectives. And um, I think that if you're going to um, be enrolled in KiwiSaver, um, most employers will do it automatically for you if you're a new employee. Um, you can only have one KiwiSaver account. So that's also another important thing that it, it does become quite streamlined to that provider and to your employer at the time and some employees do change jobs a lot and it's really important to make sure that that KiwiSaver um, comes along with you it's part of your wealth it's part of your assets and and to keep good good track of that. So we talked about earlier how essentially KiwiSaver is stuck there until you retire, until you use it for your first home. Are there any other negatives or things that people need to consider when investing with KiwiSaver? Mostly it's around the risks um, that come with 
being an investment. KiwiSaver is an investment scheme. So that that is really around um, the returns fluctuating, the fact that you can experience and probably will experience negative periods of, of oh, sorry, periods of negative returns. And it's how you feel during that time. So um, a well thought out strategy, a well thought out plan around your contributions, um, holidays or not holidays, whether you want to accept higher volatility, um, the sleep at night test, as I call it, becomes quite important. Um, and so those different risks need to be considered because your KiwiSaver is an asset to you and, and making it very, um, very certain around your circumstances and objectives is really key. The, there are a number of other ways you can get your KiwiSaver. I've already mentioned the financial hardship one, but that's not easy to do. So most people do put it in for a retirement goal or a first home buyer's goal. Perfect. And you said that it's good to keep seeing how, how you feel about it. And as you say, if you can sleep at night, how, how often would you think that you review how you're investing in KiwiSaver? Oh, that's a great question, Melissa. So the suitability of KiwiSaver is something that's really important to all providers. The government has certainly made um, a set of rules around KiwiSaver that we as providers have to take some of that responsibility on for, for making sure that our, our, our funds, our options do meet those suitability standards. As a, as a member, you should hear from your KiwiSaver provider. They should be in contact with you and they should be checking at least once a year and I imagine for um, the quality of what I call quality control you know where where are you and, and how do you feel and are you looking for a first home or are you not looking for a first home um, are you saving for retirement and have you thought about your retirement plans because what that really does is just give the provider and and an, and an advisor the best chance of making sure that your KiwiSaver is set up in the best possible way. That sounds fantastic and very proactive of those providers and so making sure that you are using a provider that has your best interests at heart as well, people that actually are touching base with you too. Absolutely. So one thing I really would like to go into, and it's because we've done an episode already about human resources and just about what we can do for our employees. So first of all, as an employer, what responsibilities do I have for KiwiSaver when employing those new staff members? The main the main tasks are really to check if your new employees are eligible for automatic enrolment. If they are eligible, you do need to enrol them. And then the last part of the responsibility is to make the KiwiSaver contributions and deductions. So if you look at those in a little bit more detail, when a new employee starts, um, within seven days, you are required to check if they're eligible to enrol. Um, mostly people that are eligible to enrol will fall into the category of New Zealand citizens and people who are entitled to live in New Zealand permanently. Mostly people that don't fall into automatic enrolment are clearly people that have already got KiwiSaver, but also people or employees who are under 18 and some employees who are over 65, um, and also some temporary and casual employees. So there are some sort of carve outs for people who are not eligible for automatic enrolment. 
So once you've established as an employer, if your new employee is able for automatic enrolment, you've got to provide them with some information, which is really about capturing the IRD or, or, or letting the IRD know, making sure the IRD, who are basically the, the supervisor of KiwiSaver in a way, um, making sure that they know that you've got the new employee, um, your employee has given you information, and then starting deductions from their first pay. So there's no, um, you know, I'll get around to it. It's actually quite important that you do get on to it within a very short, sharp time frame, and you have to start those deductions at a minimum of 3% um, unless the employee tells you. So um, the IRD has a whole lot of resources and forms, um, bless them, for a lot of those um, of that information to be captured. Um, you're also you're also obliged as an employer to make the compulsory contribution of on behalf of your employees. So um, that's a really important factor. Your employer, um, your employee can can start at a, at a range of between three and and ten percent minimum of three. Your obligation an employer is to make that compulsory um, obligate a contribution of three percent. Um, the other thing that's also really important for an employer is really just to keep the IRD updated. There's a number of filing obligations right at the start and along the way. There's a number of reporting obligations again along the way and certainly a number of tax obligations which you know BDOs um, well across. So just one quick thing I picked up on that is that the employer contribution. Now, my understanding is that that's not required for an employee who is under 18 and over 65. Is that correct? Correct. So um, they're, um, they're a group of employees who um, you don't have to provide that minimum um, contribution for. People over 65 and under 18 can still get to KiwiSaver, but they can do it themselves directly. So they don't have to do it or can't do it through their employer. What they will do is, is contact a provider directly. There's six default dividers or, or about 30 KiwiSaver providers in New Zealand, and they can talk to that KiwiSaver provider directly about what they can and can't do. Thanks so much for that. No, that's really important. So for an employee then, if you had someone who was starting at age 17 and they were going to cross over to that 18 path, you might just need to do a, re a review of that employee as they have that age change. Yeah, that's right. So um, it will be asking the employee for information if they've been proactive about their KiwiSaver account and set one up directly, then they will they will tell you that. Um, and then it's about finding the contributions that um, they want to and you are required to make and, and making sure that those flow through from that point. That's perfect. So really key from our other discussions we've had is just about being a good employer. So how can like an employer help their employees to make informed KiwiSaver decisions, whether it's the percentage that they're investing or what investment provider they use? Like how can we best help our employees? 
So employers um, have some minimum obligations, but they also have some options which can often be oft offered um, as, a, as, a, as an attraction, as an incentive. It might, might actually help recruit staff, it may not, but it also just gives employees a bit of a broader scope in regards to KiwiSaver. So one of the things that employers can do is offer voluntary contributions. Um, they can also and administer those contributions for their employees. What they can also do is choose a KiwiSaver scheme for their workplace. So that's a really important um, um, factor. Some employers um, want to do that and some don't. It's not compulsory because, of course, you've got your default providers and your, and your wider providers. But offering that um, KiwiSaver scheme for your workplace can be something that employees find attractive. Alternatively, you don't have to do any of that. You can just stick to the basics and say, look, this is what we need to do. I think it's really important for employers to take an interest in, in, in their employees' KiwiSaver. It, it's, um, it's a scheme that's been set up for the benefit of the employee, but also for the benefit of the wider economic community in terms of our um, retirement lifestyles, our retirement planning and, and our, our retirement economics, if you like. So um, I think employers would be wise to also direct employees to some of those really useful places like sorted.org.nz. You know, that's a really good starting point. Um, also, the FMA, the Financial Markets Authority, who's the regulator of, of you know, financial services, um, they offer a really great website that's got a lot of information as well. Um, some employers that I work with are inviting um, advisors in to talk through uh, and present to their workplaces on what the benefits and risks are around KiwiSaver. Um, and just opening up the channels for discussion, I think, is a really good opportunity. Thanks so much for that. I feel like the detail and information that you've given to us today has been amazing. And I'm sure that we'll definitely have our audience here finding some value from that. I would like to thank you again for joining us today and also just let everyone listening know that if you do need to contact Shelley, we will put her contact details in our show notes so that if you do need to ask her any more personalised questions, whether it be KiwiSaver or any other investment types, she should be more than happy to answer any of your questions. Thanks, Kelsey. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you for listening to our episode. If you enjoyed today's podcast, jump along to your favorite podcast app and like, rate and subscribe the episode so that others can find the podcast as well. And if you need to get in contact with us for direct tailored advice, please do not hesitate to phone our office or flick us an email, melancal at bdo.co.nz. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Unlocking Business Potential backed by BDO Taranaki.